freemusic.com. Hello and welcome to the Hack Inc. Podcast. My name is Gareth Lyons and I'm hack in action. I'm hacky to see you. That's okay. Yeah. This is just me popping in to start to say that uh, this is uh, part two of our uh, two-part podcast with Tom Maher. Um, First part was unintentional, but we ended up talking about zines for about an hour. (laughs) And then we got down to what I hoped to talk to Tom about, which was um, uh, co-ops, you know. So uh, we'll get into it now in the few minute, next few minutes uh, you should hear it I'm just popping in now to tell you um, yeah what the show is about and what to expect and then I'll come back in at the end to wish you wish you all goodbye Free music but yeah that was kind of my intro to you and then you posted up a tweet about um <laughs> one of many <laughs> yeah it was literally just like um um what was it is anybody interested in starting up um a worker owned games company with somebody who doesn't have any experience in anything or something like yeah. that and i was Can like for nothing yeah. but gusto and even then only about specific things yeah, and yeah only for specific periods of time yeah. so that was like a very jokey tweet but like i was i was likewise incredibly interested in this because like the past few years in animation have really been quite um of a slog there's like the jobs that you do for money and then they leave you too exhausted to work creatively in the evening. Right. And then there is the um, the work that you pursue personally. It, it seems to only, you the only way to get, you know, because you're sending in funding applications and things like this. And, uh, or at the moment, in present, I'm sending in CVs to studios. And it's this incredible thing of being like, oh, not only am I broke, but also... Uh, people think my art is shit <laughs> now, <laughs> well, true or not okay but like you send it on and you you know people are, are evaluating you on how on what you can do for them okay so yeah. as far as they're concerned oh that's a nice drawing but he can't draw like mighty mouse uh, mid- yeah, i don't know or yeah, yeah. he can't operate toon boom or this that and the other do you know what i mean well it can moderately i know a little bit about toon boom but it was like you know again there are programs let's say like cgi uh, programs where I realized it would take me like a decade to get shit at this and I don't yeah. really like w- I don't really want to put in that time and I also feel like going to college and doing all this stuff should have provided me with enough knowledge to start up something anyway and especially when you hear about all these studios who are you know going like oh I started off in my grandmother's basement and now look where I am yeah, and you're just yeah. like well if they can fucking do it you know so that really interested me, but also I didn't want to fall into the same trap that somehow led these people who were supposedly once creative to be like flogs for Disney properties and commercials, like, you know, feature length commercials. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the worker owned video game thing, that was like my first. I read an article on like something just like Polygon or something like mm. that. And it was about like this um, group in. I guess Sweden or something and there was like a yeah. team of like 20 or something and they're like yeah, they made the game uh, yeah. Dead Cells yeah what was the one and they're all being paid like they're on the same wage all of them pretty yeah, much yeah as far as I know um, they describe themselves explicitly as an anarcho-syndicalist video game company mm. 
um, which is kind of a flavor or a tendency within anarchism towards syndicalization, which is kind of an emphasis on worker organization. Okay. Um, and a kind of an approach to that. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I probably read the same thing you you read and heard people talking about it, but don't know much more about yeah, it, it was, about that specific case beyond yeah. that. But yeah, it definitely seems like they have a small enough structure that is as close to horizontal. Yeah, uh, but I mean, get, yeah. the the thing about that as well is that you know when you're in college or when you even like leave secondary school or something like that. Uh, well, for me anyway. I mean, you're you're leftist secondary school <laughs> aside, um, you well, know, in th- some ways. Yeah, but yeah. there are these, you know, avenues, and you're like scale electrics. They put you on a track, and it's like, no, you go to here, to here, to here, to here, and then the idea of that, like, you know, oh, also about business is in like, you know, that there are people who are business minded, so they do business. Do you know what I'm saying? As in, like, yeah. y- there, there's never a kind of I didn't imagine that there could be a creativity to business where it's like you're coming up with a model that is non-traditional and something that can make you... Again, the other thing is I I, I don't want to make a lot of money. I want Mm. to make enough money and be able to pursue things and have uh, comforts as well and also feel like... I can look in the fucking mirror at the end of the day, you know. This is so, what we all want. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and are, you know, yeah. and now we're in a kind of position in Ireland, I think, where you know, I think in a, in a generational way, we've kind of n- I almost have nothing to lose by going after things like this in ma- in some ways. Mm. And then also, uh, the animation industry in Ireland is structured in such a way that it can allow for this because there are so many studios out there that are made up of just. 10 15 people like small outfits that mm. maybe make shorts or maybe make you know tv shows or this that and the other but th- it is also kind of what i've from what i've seen a little bit cutthroat and people are trying to outdo each other trying to do this trying to like s- you know spin things as well yeah like there's as in the, the spin comes from like we're the little industry that could you know what i mean and like we're gonna go out there and we're gonna make a difference and it's all you got to do is just believe and then it's like talking the studio or saying it when you know that they've like you know you know ruthlessly underpay their staff or let go of yeah. entire departments without even blinking an eye you know it's like you know there's there's got to be a better way yeah <laughs> so, sure sure um well there yeah. is so uh, that was it i contacted you about that and and again like my experience of having like this is literally how literal i am because one of the first times i met you was in a co-op i was literally he knows all about co-ops yeah. probably <laughs> but the zine archive it turns out is actually a great source to pick up on co-ops so that's something i wanted to talk to you about today you know yeah, yeah. um so in addition to those per zines and yeah. zines we're talking about zines as a format are also very popular for just literally conveying information in the same way those kind of glossy brochures you'd pick up in your local td's office or whatever are um but they tend to be a bit less blue sky thinking a bit more like no bullshit um and that could be applied to anything like you know fixing your bike or you know setting up a punk show or setting up a worker owned business um, or housing co-op or food co-op there's a lot of different kinds of co-op mm. there um but to kind of bring it back a little bit when we're talking about co-op and we're talking about 
what that means. Um, it's kind of important to emphasize that there's a lot of nuance in the kind of terms that we use that mm. like a worker owned company and a worker cooperative yeah are, different. are slightly different yeah and it varies from country to country yeah um we'll kind of get to this maybe a bit later but the state of cooperate like legislation around what they call friendly societies or uh, voluntary communities or intentional communities mm. or cooperatives or whatever in ireland is pretty sparse there's not a lot of re- legislation that specifically applies to cooperatives whereas yeah. in the uk and the us there is and australia um and possibly other non-english speaking places as well but uh just to briefly say a worker cooperative is an autonomous association of people who are voluntarily united to meet a common economic social or cultural need or aspiration yeah. uh, through a jointly owned and democratically controlled enterprise. Yeah. Um, he said, looking at his notes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here, it's helpful. You know? Yeah, well, this is <laughs> it. Um, thankfully, the nature of co-ops being kind of so... In some, you know, if you're being uncharitable, hippy-dippy, but if you're being charitable, you might just say, like, open and honest and um, helpful. Um there's a huge wealth of resources out there for getting started on a co-op what a co-op is yeah and the kind of ins and outs of how to set one up um you know and i can kind of maybe talk to you a little bit about that um but while we're still in this kind of definitional arena it may be important to point out that like a a co-op is not just or can't doesn't have to be just what you described before with dead cells and the company that made it i was just going to say that studio is called motion twins and they're actually motion twin and they're actually french it doesn't have to be like oh everyone's on the exact same playing field yeah um, because obviously there's a lot of different kinds of jobs that need doing in any business you can have um, a multi-stakeholder yeah. cooperative uh, and that's one where there's basically there's more than one class of member involved hmm. Um so for example a food co-op might have consumer members and worker members yeah and so like if you're a member of the food co-op you might get like you'll pay a membership um or you'll maybe work an hour or two a week um and in return you'll get a discount on uh, some of the produce that they come in and you might get depending on the structure you might get a seat at the table Mm. if there's a democratic decision that needs to be made or something like that um the different classes of members they might have yeah they might have different rights um, to what they call participate in the surplus or the profits of the company. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there might be, you might work it out where everyone owns a stake in the company. Yeah. But some people own a little bit more and some people own a little bit less. Yeah. But everyone, like there's no, um, like you're all working in the company basically. Yeah. And so it's kind of a very similar situation to how, well, in this kind of multi-stakeholder example it's kind of it sounds quite similar to the way normal companies yeah are set up a little bit um but the thing i suppose it's kind of reacting to is the situation where you have um shareholders Mm -hmm. who don't actually have any involvement in the busy in the business but who nonetheless reap the rewards of the work that goes into maintaining the business um or people who maybe 
I don't know who exists on a board of directors maybe who yeah. again have this kind of weird like loose affiliation with the business that yeah you know so people basically have more of a say and you're also involved in the work and the day-to-day processes so you'd have a better yeah. idea of how to you know yeah and I mean usually baked in to these kinds of structures are mm. additional practices like uh, what they call job rotation um where uh, it's a kind of a, wor- a form of worker self-management um, used in a lot of worker cooperatives. And you can see how this might be useful in multi-stakeholder cooperatives, mm. maybe where your stake changes depending on what kind of job you're doing, maybe. Yeah. Um, and less extensively in other co-ops. So it's a method where after a set period of time, workers will switch from uh, working one job in a business to another. Yeah. Um, so this way, most workers become experienced in almost all practices of the mm. co-op and um, the job rotation technique is used to advance the worker education first of all so to develop a different different skills and understand the various functions within the co-op and yeah. um, to protect against boredom uh, and yeah. as well uh, to make sure that even unpleasant that tasks really help get done <laughs> because like that's one of the things about like working in animation uh, me i i just it, it destroys mm. me doing animation or something like that you know what i mean like i, I can do it for maybe like a month and a half bursts and then after yeah. that i just like want to fucking jump off a bridge but like the, yeah. the another thing while i remember it and i'm sorry this is, if this is no, rambling grand, and confusing yeah, yeah. but what you um but i actually remember that uh, just late last year um peter lord and what's his name God, I can't remember. Um, I am very sorry for not no, remembering now. I think it's Steve Box, okay? But they uh, own uh, Ardman. And they had like the, the, the major shares in the company or something like that. Or the, I don't know how, again, not a business person, don't know how it works. You know? um, but either way, they realized that retirement was imminent. And so they actually sold all of their shares to the company. So actually, Ardman is a worker-owned studio at present as really? well. Okay. So that's in Bristol, and that's a big, huge company that has like turned from, like you're, you're like you know what I mean. It, it it's it's like a big company that became more a more of a co-op model. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I it's more it's more it's similar to what you were saying about. Higher, there's still a hierarchical, hierarchical, hierarchical yeah. thing there, but at the same time, people own a bit of the company and have some modicum of say over what you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, I mean, the example we were using there, where everyone was paid the exact same amount, that wouldn't suit yeah. some kinds of companies, um, even if they wanted to go down the cooperative route. Yeah. Likewise, a cooperative doesn't need to be a small group. You can have massive companies that are worker-owned, mm. but the share that every worker owns is quite small. Yeah. Um, which you know results in like huge halls full of people when time comes to vote on something. Yeah. Um, like in The Simpsons, you know. Uh, yeah. Lisa needs braces. You know. That? Yeah, like absolutely, <laughs> and you know, or like a union meeting or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like for massive, massive unions. Yeah. Um, so like there's a load of different ways to skin a cat and um, yeah. you don't have to be an anarchist you don't have to be a socialist you, like mm. i think kerry gold might have at some point been a co-op really um if it isn't i still. mean that makes sense because there are dairy co-ops aren't there yeah, yeah. i might be conf- i might be confused about that but um yeah so like there's uh, there's and you know you don't have to start as a co-op yeah you could go from uh, like a 
like a corporate entity. Um, well, no, I suppose some co-ops are incorporated uh, as co-ops, but you could basically go from a more traditional yeah, business structure to, to yeah. as in, in you know, one method is as you described, yeah, where Ardman, yeah, uh, and you know other methods could be just like you know enough people in the company decided they wanted to go co-op yeah, and yeah. they were able to pull their shares if they had them to make a majority you know uh, mm. decision to take the company in that direction yeah um or you know there's a lot of different ways you can do it um and thankfully a lot of the resources i'll point to at the end here yeah i can't wait um lay some of that out quite plainly um the distinction i made before about collectives and cooperatives is maybe something that's worth yeah, going definitely. into as well where a collective is kind of a much looser term um to describe a group where management decisions are made democratically yeah. usually by some form of consensus yeah. um that's literally it uh they're usually not like a legal entity um mm. and the form that the democratic decision making takes can look quite different from collective to collective like it could be the kind of thing where we can't like it could be like a jury or something like that where it's like mm. literally every person here needs to agree before we'll make a decision uh, or it could be like a majority needs to make it uh, needs to agree and then we'll yeah. make it or it needs to be a majority of a certain percentage like 60 or 70 percent okay um you know if you all just get to sit around in a circle and just kind of show a hands kind of thing or you yeah. just you close ballot or whatever um you know and then you have collectives that are just like two people or whatever where it's just like a much more informal relationship um you know uh, there's a lot of again a lot of different ways to skin a cat kind of thing mm. they're um often organizations that don't have ownership buy-in or profit sharing yeah like you'll have um print collectives where just like you maybe all pitched in and bought a photocopier yeah. and every now and then you might pitch in buy new reams of paper uh toner that kind of thing and it's all mm. out of your own pocket and you're there to provide a service to a community yeah um and keep your heads above water like you might reimburse the cost of the toner and paper and whatever but really you're just you're just a bunch of people with a printer and you're letting anyone else who wants to use the printer because you think it's important that people have access to a printer mm. um like Eddie Pyhans and Lou Walker, who I mentioned before, um, were involved in a print uh, collective that was in a very similar situation. And the way we worked it out was it was in Shomersbury, it was in a room next door to the Zine Archive, so it was great for like running workshops and things like that. Um, but the way we worked it out is that in order for us to charge like literally the cost of replacing the material that was used um we actually like couldn't charge it per page because it was mm. so cheap so we, it was like literally one cent for every two black and white pages of photocopy you made yeah um, and so like when you go to reads or something like that and make photocopies think of what they're charging you mm. and then imagine the markup um, <laughs> yeah and we were like using like fancy recycled paper that we bought off like uh, mom and pop um company in dublin yeah and so like it wasn't even the cheapest paper that we could find mm. um so it's incredibly like so like you can imagine how much more printing would happen 
if that kind of service was well if that print collective was still around yeah. or if that service was available to people um, and that's just one example there's loads of other examples of collectives that do a lot of like community work a lot of activist work mm. um that kind of uh yeah it's kind of shared they share values they share an ethos or whatever but that's about the long and short of it whereas and a cooperative is a more formal yeah. term signifying that an entity is a a member benefit organization designed to meet a community's needs um that community doesn't have to be a geographic one it could be um yeah know. like the animation community worldwide or something yeah or whatever um and there's economic participation there and democratic governance by the mm. members so really a cooperative just a more legalistic and more business yeah focused thing whereas um, a collective can kind of for much more much let's swimmier. say you you know basically there's a lot of people that i know who kind of want to be their own boss and make their own thing essentially mm. you know and uh, but also because of rent in dublin and places where that are animation hubs um you really do need a job um so let's say somebody was working this might sound like a stupid question but again mm. i don't know nothing about business so let's say I, I like was working in a studio as well do you know yeah um could you still be this this is a stupid question <laughs> like but could you still be part of like a co-op or a collective which would be preferable then as in i didn't really see it as the idea of like taking money you know what i mean yeah and investing it as in like oh i've made a certain amount of money let's buy a printing press and let's just you know make yeah. comics or I'm, I'm trying to think of an animation equivalent and all i can think of is a multi-plane camera which would be kind of very yeah I, there are they do exist yeah but they're they're kind of outdated in many ways so yeah, well i yeah. mean you can so like it depends on the terms of your contract obviously with your employer yeah they may have a non-compete written into your contract for so a lot of them do yeah yeah and they may consider that work out even if it's outside of work hours yeah to technically be uh we need to talk i think that's something that needs to be talked about in the animation industry is different fucking contracts because there's literally contracts i've heard where it's stuff that you if you make a drawing you can't post it on your personal blog it has to mm. go through the company and um so many people are grateful to be working in cartoons that they just kind of overlook this and they're like okay whatever cool as long as i'm drawing and it's like no you have to think about the reason they have that in there is because your drawing is worth something to them do you know so yeah. like that's anyway yeah, yeah totally yeah, and like yeah. even um like i ran a copyright workshop with a bunch of librarians um last year in november um part of you know part of it was just kind of laying out you know the basics of intellectual property and copyright and all the rest but also talking about the uh, negotiation of contracts yeah um both that the academics are signing and the academics you're notionally serving as a librarian and they're the contracts they're signing with publishers when they write an article yeah but also the contracts that you sign as a librarian um with vendors for access to databases of journal articles to streaming platforms like canopy or whatever mm. um even contracts with uh like if you've got a supplier or something like that you may maybe have on some kind of rolling contract or something like that yeah um the there was a, it was a guy called charles oppenheim who came over to deliver this talk and yeah. uh, work with the people at the event and um like he's kind of an old pro at a lot of this stuff yeah. um and he 
started it by basically just revealing to the audience that you can negotiate a contract that you don't have to basically accept the first contract you're given yeah yeah um and that kind of seemed like a revelation for a lot it of the people it is funny in. how that that for here it is like a bit of a revelation the idea where you're like, like hang on i can like circle things i don't like yeah, and yeah. send it back to them and like that's a normal thing that they mm. should expect um but yeah totally like there is a I, lot of dodgy I stuff in also contracts. think it's yeah. a generational thing because like like i remember being 17 and handing cvs everywhere but like I think I mentioned this before that I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but like a Burger King opened up in uh, this is one that I very clearly remember in 2008. Um, uh, Burger King opened up in uh, Galway. It was like the first one we ever had. Uh, yeah. But uh, the unemployment, they, they wrote an article in the paper that week that 150 people showed up to apply at this and they were coming from all over Galway. Like there yeah. was just no fucking jobs everybody needed to do something to try and get money and that that uh that is like when you look at the type of jobs that they were it was all mm. stuff that like teenagers would usually be doing in the stereotype you know if we're going to be stereotyping yeah, <laughs> yeah but like you know working in a burger king obviously this body teenager so like the <laughs> here's your hamburger mister yeah exactly uh, but like i think that that has put into people's heads it's like I need to. I need anything. You know what I mean. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, there's like I know that the rent is ridiculous and it's and and all this. Um, and it's really hard to say to people like you know, don't you know fucking cut your own throat to hate yeah. please somebody else essentially. Do you know. Um, oh yeah, totally. And like that yeah. was kind of a point he was making as well in this talk is that like you kind of have to have an honest assessment of your own strength or your own kind of negotiation yeah your own position within the negotiation mm. that like you know in the case we were talking about with libraries we've got a bunch of money we're going to give it to someone yeah and they might be the only player in town so they know on some level that we need them yeah but then also we kind of on some level have to have the courage to mm. kind of say well we don't need you that much we can actually go without you and kind of yeah start that kind of process whereby they're on the back foot maybe and they're kind of yeah. saying oh shit we might actually lose this large amount of money yeah whereas like if you're you know in a housing crisis like we are in dublin you maybe don't have that no and like position of strength and so it like it's not a, a catch-all and even on like an emotional level like yeah. i think the thing about animation is that obviously that's it's very like people you know let's say the latest thundercats reboot for example and people are like oh you destroyed my childhood and it's like you know <laughs> there's this thing tied into it there's so many people who i know who work uh, worked for boulder and they're just like you know sharing all this like making a working on my little pony or something like this and as if you had told me when i was this age yeah. that i'd be doing this and it's like that's how they get you as well and and th th there's a there's a comparable thing with um working in um sorry with with living in a house i remember one time i set off the fire alarm by having a fucking f like just try making a fry or something but i didn't have the code for the fire alarm to set it off i didn't know where it was yeah. i didn't know where the fire alarm was located in the house but the landlady lived next door and she came over and uh, was just like giving out yards to me and saying stuff this is, i'm gonna go into it with this story because it's really still <laughs> pissing me off because i actually saw her the last day and we like both of us given absolute dead evil eyes to yeah, each other yeah. you know but uh she 
she just started going she was like type trying to figure out how to stop the fire alarm going off because she didn't clearly have the fucking code either you know so she's putting it in and she just keeps going like what type of idiot what type of moron what type of fool sets off just saying it to herself and i was like just eventually got to stage like you know you can't call me that and she got what did you just like really like you know like getting up my face and i just had to stand there and like take it and inside uh, my girlfriend was there and she had like the, the noise was deafening so she found that you could unscrew the alarm to stop the noise so we could get our bearings to turn off the thing you know so she the landlady eventually came into our apartment and saw that we had unscrewed the fire alarm and she was like you can't do this basically saying like you know um you you can't like take the fire alarm down like that and and um she said yeah she just then said saw this even though you could screw them straight back in and she was like you'll have to be out next week there's no other thing for it you know and it was like what like i just live there like and it means nothing to that person like you just have to go you'll have to go that's it and um i was suddenly thinking like what the fuck am i gonna do what's gonna happen but luckily my um flatmate like her dad was a landlord and she knew exactly what to do in situations like this she wrote down everything she took pictures sent it in and the ptrb or prtb whichever way that acronym yeah, goes yeah. they uh, just sent a, a letter back to the letting agent going like uh they were disputing this and then they immediately dropped it but your one your one's allegations then it turned out were that we had this party that set off the fire alarms and we ripped the fire alarms out of the wall and uh and she was doing everything to try and like keep the deposit even though we only had like t- three weeks left on our lease that we yeah, had to yeah. she she did another thing where she claimed my my flatmate was involved in the fisborough cat rescue so she had cat traps out back and like these syringes that you used to feed like kittens essentially yeah and she said i saw she said by my flatmate <laughs> his name is emer she's like i saw her about out back with syringes drug paraphernalia yeah. and she was like i don't want to make any sp-. it was like feeding kittens you fucking asshole you know yeah. anything to try and get the money but like yeah it's it's again i mean it's more obvious with the house but like your your livelihood um I, I, sorry i guess the point i was trying to make was that like you know i the house is warm I, you know, brought people around, you know, there's the social aspect, which you don't think about. And as soon as somebody tells you, like, you can't live here anymore, then you suddenly realize, like, oh, I never owned this place. And yeah, it's yeah. been ripped out from underneath me, you know, and all because I didn't fucking know the code to the fire alarm or I had a fry at like 10 o'clock at night. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, which is a weird thing to do, but like, hey, we've um, all been there, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but then like, but then it's the same thing with with animation, where I've noticed a bunch of times where people try to go like, yeah. you know, come on, we're all family here, you know, and uh, this is something I've always oh, wanted yeah. to bring up. That's family either. shit, like, yeah, with companies or with yeah. workplaces or whatever. Yeah. But I remember that they had um, in a Pixar documentary, they're like, here's our basketball court, here's our pool, all empty, and then they go like, and here's our cereal bar so they have like we've got every cereal here we're very proud of this and you just see these people in like hoodies and their eyes like sunken in and they just look exhausted and they're going over and like pouring out dry bowls of cereal to eat at their desk and it's like you know just the 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 thing is like we're making dreams here making magic and also actually another thing about the animation industry at that time was that it turned out uh, they were subsequently found guilty of doing this as well i don't know what ended up happening but they were 
what's the word um, where they where they they were basically talking with other animation companies and figuring out a set rate that they could uh, apply to all animators so that nobody would get poached that's what we call a cartel yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like they were what's the word where where it was wage something or other. Oh, wage fixing. Yeah, wage fixing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Pixar were also involved in that, and um, yeah, there's all this type of type of stuff within animation. I actually, yeah, I, um, yeah. I don't know if Pixar were. I, I'm going to say they were because obviously, I'll always be against big business. But um, I'm pretty confident they were. But I would need to verify that. Well, I, just say allegedly. Yeah. On the off chance. Let's say allegedly on the off chance, but. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's that was all to kind of... Uh, I don't know why I started on that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's the importance of... Oh, yeah. Really arguing crossing your, your T's yeah. and dotting your I's yeah. as far as, you know, setting up something like this goes, as far as knowing exactly what you're... Able to do with What the you're job signed up you're to in. already, I yeah. suppose. Um, like, they, yeah, they might have non-compete clauses in your contract yeah um they may like i think there is basically an upper limit for the number of hours you can work per week legally mm. whether you are you know will like whether you actually want to work that many or not um so i think it might be something like 80 hours or 70 hours or something where like yeah. if your employer can prove that you are working above that number of hours i think they may have some recourse for telling you to stop basically or yeah. firing you or whatever um because they would argue that you working these hours outside of work hours is meaning that you're not rested enough or clear-headed enough or I mean, whatever this is to come I'm in and like you know that stuff drives me crazy like just being seen as like a fucking you know like a mule yeah yeah so that's the, anyway this is the benefit of like a, my ideal job i would love to this sounds so lazy but whatever you know this is my yeah my but like to to wake up at um nine to go in for 10 okay and then to i want to or you know to be able to choose my hours so i can work yeah. late or something because some, i work better in the evenings i find you know um and also to to have a certain i don't know just to have time just to be able to feel like time is malleable that's yeah. my main goal <laughs> i mean yeah. I, obviously I, I will go in for a nine to five and i'll do whatever needs doing but yeah, like yeah. that the, the the idea of being your your own boss but also that you yeah aren't exploiting people or that there you can have a business model that is giving back to the community in some ways is, is also yeah. a valuable thing you know yeah totally and when you're looking to set something like this up part of i suppose the thinking you have to do um with the people you're going to start it up with yeah is about these kinds of things where you may have some people who really like the structure of a nine to five Mm. or a 10 to 6 or a 10 to 4 or whatever number yeah. of hours you're going to work um they may really like the loosey-goosey approach to working whatever hours you feel like in the day yeah um but you need to have that conversation with the people that you're starting it with that's the thing yeah. about whether you're okay not working the same hours as them will the workflow of the pro production production you're working on yeah. will it allow for that and you have to be honest as well as the other thing like, exactly because so many yeah. people uh, like 
and I, I do it all. I did it all. I do it and did it all the time, which is, you know, you want to make somebody happy and give them the right answer. But yeah. ultimately, like, you know, you will save yourself so much in the long run if you just kind of say, like, you know, this is what I'm prepared to do. This is what I want. Do you know what I mean? I think that's really where you should put it down is like yeah. what you want. Write down what you want and say, like, this is what I want to get out of this. Is it compatible with what you yeah. want to get out of this? You know? And building into the structure of how you assess how the co-op is going mm. moving forward, building it in that you check in and kind of say, is this still yeah, how exactly. you want to work? Yeah. Um, you know, there's like a practice in a lot of collectives where you will, before you have a meeting about anything, you just check in with you go around the circle check in with everyone who's there mm. just about how their life is going about yeah. what's happening just outside of the work you do together and um, they may not want to participate or might only share a certain amount of information or whatever they're comfortable with but it's part of this um this kind of understanding that life changes mm. and people change and um yeah, and your yeah. goals and your priorities and change as well. Exactly, you know, yeah, and kind of continually reminding the other people in the room that you're a person with interiority. You're not yeah. just like a per like a colleague. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't begin and end, you know, at nine in the morning and you know end then at five at night or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and kind of this kind of honesty and communication, I suppose, is really what co-ops live and die by. Yeah. Um, not that you're all family, yeah. that you're you know living together, eating together, and sleeping together kind of yeah. thing, but just that you're open and honest, and that you are um, sure about exactly how you all fit together and mm. why you're all doing this thing. And can you tell me as well? Is there like a kind of conflict then? Let's say I w what I've been thinking about while I'm trying to start this up or imagine it in my head. First of all, this is the most important thing about this podcast is creating. Um, even hypotheticals to try and imagine uh, a better alternative you know what I mean mm. so even if you it feels impossible or daunting or like even if we think it's a confused gibberish then you just go like yeah but it's it's the it's hopefully opening avenues of thought um, but what I want to say is there a conflict then with like uh, again revealing how little I know about business but if I was to apply for a funding scheme with the film board or a funding scheme Screen Ireland a funding scheme with like BAI or any of these things is there some weird conflict then with your co-op or it does it not really matter to those bodies the way you run your business as long as you're getting results do you know um it depends yeah like so credit unions yeah are a cooperative um they're just a cooperative financial institution yeah um a lot of credit unions will be more sympathetic to quote co-ops yeah. than they would be to other people asking for a loan. Yeah. And so they may actually have preferential rates um, or preferential treatment. Mm. And there are other funding organizations that have been set up specifically to help kickstart co-ops. Mm. Um, I don't know of many in Ireland other than what they call ICOS, um, which is the Irish Cooperative something society, I think. Uh, or, uh, yeah, Irish Cooperative Organization Society. Yeah. Um. The, yeah, I don't think they provide funding, but they'll certainly provide yeah. advice and 
um, kind of uh, support on an ongoing basis. But yeah, it really depends. There are some I funding places yeah. that need you to be a specific kind of company. See, that's the run thing in a specific like, way, but yeah. there are others that are kind of saying, listen, in as long Irish as you animation, the there's kind of only three games in town, really, which okay. is the BAI, Irish Screen, and RTE. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Anything else, you'd almost be going further afield, do you know? Yeah. So that's why I was kind of like, just curious about, is there a prejudice against co-ops within certain institutions? No. Or is it like, you know... It wouldn't surprise me if there was. Yeah. But it also wouldn't surprise me if no one cared. Yeah. Um, Like, I can imagine... The fact that you're a co-op, not ever even entering into the equation yeah. for a lot of applications, they see that you're a studio that maybe has produced work in the past that can show that, like, listen, you're legit. You're not just yeah. like lad on the street or whatever. Um, or even if the studio itself hasn't created something that the individual involved has, and um, yeah. you know you've got a business plan, you're registered uh, in Ireland, you're registered with the company's registration office. Yeah. Um, you know, like someone might have a bugbear about it. They might yeah. have to be in their bonnet and notice it and kind of say, mm, I don't know about this actually. But like I'd say a lot of people, yeah, it's and also quite like far down on their list of priorities mm. about what to care about. Um, and I'm pretty sure as well, like from what you said, I mean, I didn't even realize this, that there might be also benefits to being a co-op as in there are other institutions which would be willing to support you as well. That wouldn't be limited to, you yeah. know, you know what I mean? So for every kind of... And also it depends on what type of studio you're trying to be. Like if you're trying to be a big, massive studio that's making like Saturday morning cartoons for, you know, whatever place, then that might be an issue that like, oh shit, we we, we need a lot of capital and a mm-hmm. lot of people, you know, giving us money and uh, treating us seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but if you are like a community-based organization with the small staff and then you know projects that kind of match that for the time being anyway maybe you want to expand but that you you can have support of other organizations to give you amounts of money that you know can help you along do you know yeah and i mean unfortunately the infrastructure for that in ireland is quite weak yeah and it's actually getting weaker okay um, or well there was a report uh 2012 2013 mm. Um, found that they see the number of like registered co-ops in Ireland have been declining steadily since the 90s. Mm. Um, most of them are in, there's actually a lot of taxi co-ops, um, okay. weirdly. Uh, there's yeah, farming co-ops and um, actor co-ops, like agencies. Mm. Um, there's one here, the, the Dublin Community Television. They're a member co-op rather than a worker co-op. Yeah. And they're based out in Coolock. Um, creative Workers Cooperative. They're based in um, Belfast. Um, I think it's outside of Lisburn or something. Okay. And um, they're a worker co-op as well. I think they're still going. They make little video shorts. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, like, it's hard to know. The report itself admits that more work needs to be done. Like more repor- reports need to be made. Obviously, 2012 yeah, yeah. is a long time ago as well. Um, but yeah, they're really just compared to the uk compared to the us especially there's yeah. like entire organizations that employ dozens of people whose only job is to help people start co-ops yeah um you know and then it kind of gets into like you know if you want to start one here you might register 
he, like you might have an office with a telephone mm. in England for the purposes of availing of of that funding, of that funding yeah. or that infrastructure. But then if you start applying for stuff in RT and they find out they're actually based in England, they might say, oh, you know, we're going to take a step back. Mm. So there's a lot of like push and pull and you kind of just really need to collectively, like as a, as a, a, a group of people um, mm. have your eye on the ball and just kind of understand fully or at least sufficiently how all the different moving parts yeah. involved in you starting but then also you continuing um go so you don't end up in this situation where all of a sudden you didn't get the funding that you're looking for and you're actually not able to continue going um and you have to wrap up yeah, yeah. the co-op which you know like a lot of co-ops have built into their agreement at the beginning the methods by which you would wrap up yeah um so it's kind of almost taken as a given that it won't last forever mm-hmm. um and so that also outlines things like if you're a housing co-op, exactly what to do with the property mm. um, once you've decided that you no longer want to participate in the co-op. Yeah. And that could be remaining people buying you out uh, of your share or it could be you all just kind of selling up and then divvying it up. Mm-hmm. Um, with the company, it could be you know, dividing up the assets Yeah. Um, or it could be like could there's a lot of different ways it could shake out um you could invite other people into the co-op though could yeah, you? you like could, somebody left yeah. and then just replace them with somebody yeah totally yeah, yeah. but i mean like w- in ireland there's like uh it's specifically you need seven people mm. uh, or more to be registered uh with the registrar friendly societies they call it okay um i think that's as close to a cooperative legislation as you'll get yeah sure it was like set up in the late like the legislation's gas it's like 18 something right it was written in and then it was updated in the 70s and um, but i don't think it's been updated since i might be wrong about that yeah but there's this gas pdf on Sinn Fein's website talking about how they're committed to supporting worker co-ops i saw rest. that yeah did you yeah yeah but what is what is it like and, well, it just it outlined some of this um, yeah and yeah the icos the uh, irish cooperative organization society they have a lot of literature on there about the irish context specifically and mm. um, the company's registration office has a lot of material up there about exactly what's involved with registering with them mm. um you know the forms you need um the agreements you need to sign uh, you know the number of members you need to have and exactly what kind of you know the nitty-gritty basically yeah. of like what exactly what kind of business you're going to be for tax purposes um you know what rights everyone involved will have yeah uh, all that kind of thing but having said that there are a lot of like that's specific to ireland but there's a lot of other resources out there mm. that although they're not specific they're not really helpful for Ar- the irish context in terms of the legislation they quote they can give you a lot of guiding principles like step by step for like here's how to structure meetings at this stage in the setup process okay. um, here's how to structure them at later stages and um, here's the kinds of things to always keep in mind when you're starting th- uh, one up um so like us worker dot co-op yeah um, co-op is now a dom- domain uh, along with dot com and dot us and dot ie and all the rest no which is kind of funny but that's the United States Federation of Worker Cooperatives. Um, mm. There's also Toolbox for Ed, 
org. Yeah. There's a toolbox for education and social action collective. There's a TSAC collective. They're um a collective that makes games actually, like okay. board games, or whatever that are designed to teach um social justice or activism or whatever. Yeah. But they also have a lot of um they have a lot of material around setting up co ops because I guess that was one of the projects they worked on mm. was was setting up uh was teaching people how to set up a co op. There's a getmutual.coop. Okay. There's a step by step guide on on there as well. Um cooperativehousing.ie. Um That's a housing one, presumably. That's a housing one, yeah. Um somewhere to check out again again the housing co-op scene in ireland is quite limited it's hard to tell with a lot of these if they're actually still active or not uh, or if the website has just kind of been there yeah, for yeah. years um, without getting in contact with people and um, the gamesworkersunite.org mm. their big push is to get people working in the games industry unionized yeah um, i mean usually yeah. under the international workers of the world yeah. umbrella it's a um, telltale thing recently enough yeah like i mean it's every week there's a new yeah. fucking did you hear what that guy from telltale said there recently oh yeah <laughs> yeah listen yeah tone deaf is not the word yeah well just uh what was a real quick what was it telltale basically just showed it very unexpectedly oh, yeah. a lot of people don't have any severance pay or something like that and then um yeah they were working obscene hours to make games and these people were relying on getting property like somehow had all these amazing properties that could be very lucrative but they must have hurried into these deals because they weren't making any money off of it you know um or they were just grossly misspent that was it they were grossly misspending Mm. because they wanted to be based in san francisco so that was like seen to be kind of like you know the very american thing of just like putting on airs you know yeah yeah (laughs) um so then yeah but anyway recently this guy was like, well, you know, why can't people like, it's like, I was working late as well. You know, we just want to make the games the best they mm. can be. It's not like the end of the world that people yeah. were sleeping at their desk, etc. And it's, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, yeah. And like, there's all sorts of yeah shenanigans going on basically. But, uh, yeah, they've, they've a lot of resources on their discord channel. Yeah. Um, but they also produced a zine, um, that has, not only resources about how to form a union yeah. in a workplace, but also set up a worker-owned company. Oh, that's cool. Um, that. So zines.gwumtl.com. That's the yeah. Montreal branch. I, I'll just give you all these at the end. Yeah, and then um, I can and copy can, and paste. And that's a lot of links that are really useful, though. Yeah. So. And then there's an Australian organization um, called mercury.org.au um, that has a lot of really useful... Uh, just like pdfs of presentations i presume they give to a lot of different people mm. up there but i mean that's kind of that there's a lot of cursory stuff that i found um in kind of thinking about this uh, but something else i found is this idea of uh an artist-led project okay Um that's kind of common within the within the arts um and specifically a collection that uh, the National Irish Visual Arts Library has mm. um, called the Irish Artist-Led Archive Sustainable Activism and the Embrace of Flux so it's a curated archival project and a touring exhibition which seeked er, uh, and possibly still seeks to publicly present the rich history of Irish artist-led cultural initiatives and it kind of explores cultural conditions of the birth of these initiatives yeah. and their economics in the economic independence or lack thereof uh, and their organizational structures so 
a few caveats one being that they're often run on uh, or they often rely on unpaid volunteer work okay um and that maybe gets into some of the economic dependencies that or independency that they operate on um but it's basically a box of like material relating to that project that mm. they have in in novel um that could be useful to look at if you are thinking of doing something less businessy more artistic yeah um looking at the way they organize themselves the ups and downs of what they like uh, they've been doing it for decades now at this point uh, around ireland and it is specific to the irish context so it could be a useful kind of research project for someone to to look at that file yeah um there's also a good article called when workers control the code that was published in wired um, oh, wow. quite recently actually the yeah. 22nd of april this year uh, by clive thompson and uh, we're looking up it's kind of basically about well what we've been talking about yeah, in the yeah. tech sector uh, but again it's kind of looking at it that although it's not in animation and mm. um, there's a lot of transferable principles and so to be looking at these documents these resources yeah. and kind of always thinking about like okay would this work in an animation sector yeah if not why not and uh, if not like how could it be changed slightly mm. um and it's really a matter of will in a lot yeah. of cases um like there's a few hoops to jump through in ireland specifically around um getting together what they call model rules okay um and you know that comp that the ICOS, I mentioned that uh, cooperative organization society. They have a lot of model yeah. rules that you can just get, like templates that you, they'll just give you that you, you have to give to them then to the registrar. Registrar then needs to examine and approve, and yeah. then once you get that, then you're registered as a co-op, and you can that entitles you to um, certain benefits or no well recognition, I suppose yeah, legally. Okay. Um, and you know you can kind of say to people listen we're registered with the government that they maybe gives you a certain sense of legitimacy as well, well i mean that's that's what's really required with a lot of the impetus for trying to get something going is that so many funding applications i send in for see um there's a weird there's a weird relationship between the industry and third level education whereby there's almost not enough in some areas and too much in another you know yeah, yeah. where it's like streamlining you to be there's an encouragement to kind of get you streamlined into these mm. positions, but then the training isn't there because there's no communication about that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, at least that's what it was for me. I don't know if things have changed. I don't think they have. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so, so just like, yeah, there's a lot of like weird little things you might end up having to do. Yeah. And some of those will cost money. Yeah. Um, like but on top of the startup costs of like yeah. buying a premises or renting one or whatever but that was the thing the yeah. thing is like having that legitimacy though is uh, what you you know so sorry i wanted to point out that with that model that people don't actually do a lot of there's a lot less independent filmmakers and type mm. people than you might think and also the encouragement is to go to a studio so yeah, what happens yeah. with the application process is that um, you can't just put down yourself. You have to be attached to something yeah. that has projects, so or something that's recognised and registered, and that they can point to as applied in the past. So even yeah. as a, I'm wondering, I'm, I mean, hoping that there is no prejudice against co-ops. The idea of registering as one and then putting that down on an application, you know, m hopefully that would give you more legitimacy rather than less. But you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, the fact you signed paperwork and handed in, and somebody signed off on another end and was like, yeah, I recognise you. That yeah, probably, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, yeah, totally. And like, it's again a thing like 
just recognize as well that a lot of the people who hold the purse strings are people yeah that um you know ultimately may the book may not stop with them they yeah. need to show whoever their superior is that they're doing what they've been employed to do in some cases it's reviewing funding applications yeah and so it makes it psychologically easier for them to make a case to their superior if you have this legitimacy of being registered with the company's registration office yeah or whatever rather than just being a loose affiliation um you know the way that yeah, the forms totally. the way that yeah. the forms are designed even it gives you something to put in a certain box yeah that if that box were blank yeah it just wouldn't look good and again psychologically the person looking at it is more likely to just say ah fuck that and the um, other, it's kind of like when you go for an apartment or something as well and you're like you're in a relationship and like well that you know what I mean <laughs> but if you were married yeah. that might be like oh okay well they're probably not going to leave them you know what I mean yeah it's more like I'm not saying that that's the reason to get married to get an apartment <laughs> or something well listen saying. you know some people <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the institution of marriage is uh, people have a lot of criticisms of it yeah but those same people might decide to get married just for tax reasons yeah and so like you can't have that cynical yeah approach to it like it's just again it's the it's yes, kind of just the, an acknowledgement that you're not necessarily going anywhere anytime soon oh, of course, yeah, but I you could you also yeah, leave yeah. when if, you know but yeah the, the 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 idea of putting that down on a sheet of paper and saying we're a group of people who decided to officially recognize ourselves you know what i mean yeah. if there's more legitimacy and it's likely that you're not going anywhere anytime soon so you know yeah and like it's like the fact that you've care enough to yeah. have gotten to that stage yeah says something about your commitment to yeah like producing something in the first yeah. place um which you know the those resources i was talking about will get at yeah. but um and to also the, like yeah. i mean the, the this kind of idea like a simple thing where it's like meet up six seven eight times before you actually agree to anything sure because well sometimes it'll take that long to yeah. hash things out um but also the people who are actually committed yeah to the project coming. will show up every yeah. at every meeting and the people who aren't probably won't um, yeah and I, I guess the other thing is we we mentioned earlier like you know you said something about like writing up like if the thing disbands or if the co-op whatever mm. it's like that can also happen with in, in case anybody was feeling intimidated by that that can also happen with literally any business you know what i mean like yeah. like there are so many animation companies you could probably count that have opened and closed within the past four years in ireland do you know what yeah. i mean because there's a boom going on and you know don't be afraid to uh explore non-traditional models of doing a business and also don't be afraid straight out of college to do something like that as well because a lot of people have done that before do you know what i mean like all of the people who are the main studios in ireland at the moment have uh, made that commitment and jump so i and also you know they're they're no they're not smarter than than i am and they're no smarter than me i tell you what <laughs> but yeah, well, um, yeah like know. a lot of it is just showing up yeah like you know whether that's to work or putting in forms consistently or yeah. just really like totally just even if you're not doing it in like a particularly magical genius yeah. way or whatever just like that persistence you know with a bit of self-awareness and a bit of knowledge of like what you're actually doing and why you're doing it totally. can can really can really um take you far uh much yeah anyway yeah 
that's we've now talked for about two hours so oh, i think i'm going to turn this into a two-parter so the first part will be more about like the zine archive and then the second part will be about co-ops which is useful because you know there are you know there are basically there's a lot of people i imagine there's a lot of overlap with people who actually make zines and stuff like that as well um, yeah i you comic should also scenes. caveat everything i've said as coming from a very amateur perspective there's still something um, you know? <laughs> well i'm saying yeah. don't take my word as gospel yeah be prepared for what i say to be contradicted if you start yeah. investigating this yourself um some of the information might be out of date yeah um, but there's research there as well and also that's another important thing is that sometimes you can the i don't think there's enough overlap with an different disciplines in animation and also the thing about it is um you can feel intimidated but actually um you think about human beings as either a relay race or a giant hard drive somewhere the information exists somebody might have already done the groundwork for you mm. and you only have to read it and kind of implement yeah. it sometimes obviously be wary about what you're reading and implementing but also um yeah to not be intimidated there there are resources and stuff out there and not everybody's out to get you or deny you you know <laughs> yeah totally yeah. um yeah and just don't sometimes in just an email yeah uh, if you're not clear about something or you're not clear about where the information is in the website yeah um or the state of you know the, the current le- the current legislation yeah. or whatever like i mean just go on the oroctus website and search for keywords like yeah. cooperative or collective or whatever yeah in bills that are coming through or statutory instruments or whatever mm. like that can actually sometimes reveal a lot. Yeah. Um, Another thing as well, you don't have to do all of the reading. <laughs> like you also when don't you see like research, a so. huge block of text, and you go, "Fuck, I'm never going to be able to read that." Yeah, there's only some of that you really yeah. need to read. <laughs> control, Control F is yeah. your friend. Yeah, uh, exactly. This is coming from a librarian, people. Yes, you know? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, but, and like yeah. as well, like having. Um, tapping into like i'm very focused on the legislative side of things just Mm. because that's the kind of the where the the uh the famine of information is in the irish context Mm. um but it wouldn't surprise you if there are parliamentary debates which are all recorded yeah transcribed in which if this stuff was ever discussed yeah like updating the legislation or whatever it would have been discussed there and they will often have a team of researchers who's already done research mm. that they will report a summary on yeah. um, as part of those debates. And all that stuff is up online as well. Um, mm. I think if, I don't know if it's on oroctus.ie, uh, but I think if you just put in parliamentary debates, they'll often link it to mm. a bill or an act or a statutory instrument or a memo or that, whatever. Uh, brings us into, uh, that's a... Uh, Tom's recommendation for whistle while you work, you know, uh, <laughs> a rock this debate. No, Just crack please. them on in the no, background. No, you know? not like. <laughs> I'm probably going to eventually stop giving podcast recommendations because I'm just going to run out, but. Um, I just remembered one there while you were talking, which um, if, I mean, people probably have heard of it, and if they haven't, they really need to seek it out. You know, Mystery Show? You listen to Mystery, Mystery Show? Mystery Show, no. Oh, right. It's great. Uh, Starly Kine um she was she used to do a lot of reporting on this american life and uh she ended up working for gimlet to make a mystery show it was very well received and then it was cancelled and she was very annoyed by it and they're starting to make it again soon but essentially the thing is people come to her with like mysteries that they have 
and uh, mm. personal mysteries and she goes off in an effort to solve them so oh, one yeah, of them yeah. will be about what height is jake gyllenhaal really okay yeah okay right, and right. um there is like i'm usually not a fan of like wacky kind of podcasts like that but the thing about her is that she's this incredibly endearing personality so it seems like everybody she talks to within about a minute of talking to them they yeah. she, they start being really warm to her and just telling oh, her all this brilliant. stuff so it's a real warm hug of a podcast <laughs> that's um, like, what's that called again uh, the Mi- mystery show not the oh, mystery show mystery show mystery and show. it should be on soundcloud as far as i know and then my song is actually a bit of a um i suppose when we're on the theme now you, you said lady gaga so i'm gonna say uh, you know that guy, Little Nas X or whatever. Have you heard okay. This? Yeah. Oh yeah, the yeah 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 yeah. Um, I I I heard it on the uh, another podcast, which I'll save for another time. And they were talking about how this SoundCloud rapper essentially made it into the country charts, but then they changed it. They, you know, they were like, "Oh no, that's not country music," so they removed him from the next one. And there's been a bit of a debate over that, but it, ultimately. Um, it, Old Town Road by Lil Nas X is a, a very good song um, yeah. and they ha- did a remix with I think I don't know whether this was in response to him being taken off of the charts but init- basically it's it kind of apparently has the same tempo as like a country track has the same talks about the same things um, has like same instrumentation but uh you know, because it sounded too similar to like R and B or rap mm. or hip hop or whatever, then they were like, "Oh no, that that's not it." So Billy Ray Cyrus ended up going on the remix version of it to like fluff up its, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. its, um, you know, bump up its um, he credentials as a country song. So the remix is also good as well. But I, I, I actually, I just by a hair prefer the original version. Uh, well worth to listen to that as well. <laughs> so that was tom maher thanks tom for your time yeah it was a great one i thought um yeah like tom says it's not like his his background is in in this stuff but he has the research and uh all of the valuable insights and notes which i have taken the measure of putting onto a medium post uh should be linked below if it's not then that just means i i haven't edited in time i'm recording this late so um, it might be that, like, I don't get to it until tomorrow. So get off my fucking back, man. But yeah, loads of interesting links there. A lot to read. I'm going to be going through it pretty friggin' slowly. Um, but yeah, any sort of um, thing that is not what we have is got to be good, you know? <laughs> or just thinking outside the box. It's not like there's inherently something wrong with what we have, but uh, it is way better to... Uh, have alternatives uh, in the industry and people doing different things and uh, like I said in the thing to kind of be intersecting fine art more instead of our worse film tendencies his his boo um, so yeah the medium post should be linked below you can find us at at we are hack inc and also um, I think our, our new email now is um no, sorry, our email is still info at wearehackinc.com. Um, you can get us on our Patreon. That's Hack Inc. Um, maybe I'll change it to We Are to have brand consistency. Um, yeah, hopefully you'll have some exciting news coming up. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, get Tom on at Thomas O. Maher. Tom also Maher uh, at 
Like you, you saw that. He said it in the last one. I got a link in that one. I'll probably have a link below as well. Um, so yeah, as you heard there, uh, we did my whistle while you work. So to play us out this evening is Little Nas. Uh, take it away, Little Nas. Take it away. Um. Okay. I don't know if I am allowed to do like take me out. Feels like I won't tell anybody if you don't. Bye. See you next week. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached Head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch Now, can't nobody tell me Tell me